Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But let them say, before they talk just about their redemption, because you're not going to fall in love with Jesus just talking about your rights, your privileges, your authority, and your blessings. You're not going to do it. And if you don't ever fall in love with Him, you're not going to serve Him with a full heart. And if you don't ever serve Him with a full heart, nothing you do for Him is acceptable to Him. And that's according to the Word of God. Whatever's not done in love is sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. It's wood, hay, and stubble. All of our religious works, as good and great as they may be, if it's not done out of love, if there's an ulterior motive, if we want to be seen, we want to be exalted, we want to be put on a pedestal, uh, that smacks of pride and vainglory. And it's really not for God. It's like the pastor down in Fort Lauderdale that he's, he actually this happened. I don't know where the church is. I got a good idea where it is because there's a church having a lot of trouble. That's one of the biggest church. In fact, it's got the tallest steeple in South Florida. Because when they built their new sanctuary, he went to the, uh, to the city hall or wherever. The, anyway, he found the archives. He had his architect draw it up. He found, and they said, Where, how tall do you want the steeple to be placed on top of this building? He said, well, here's what I want. I want you to go down and go through the archives. I want you to find the church in this city with the tallest steeple architecturally. And I want our steeple to be at least six foot taller than the tallest steeple. And of course, this is to honor who? It's to honor God. Yeah, it is to honor Him. You're right. What? Listen, I like what that Bourbon Street preacher that preached down on Bourbon Street and just was a soul winner for so many years. I like what he said. He said, you can build your church and you can put the finest carpets. You can put the greatest stained glass windows in it. You can put the best pews in it. The best chairs in it. You can have the best of everything. And you can build a steeple so tall on top of that building. Until it interferes with satellites circling the earth. But the angels nor God won't give a holy hoot. Until one old sinner walks down that aisle and gets saved. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. God doesn't care about that. In fact, here's what he said when you think you're going to build a building, and we ought to have a nice building. If we ever get to build, I hope we can build something nice because it's for God and, and it's for the worship of God and the service of God. But it's also so that we can be equipped to go out and win people to Christ and make a difference in where they spend eternity. I hope it can be wonderful, but it would be for the right reason. Amen. There's a church that has a, an organ in it, a, a big, one of those big things. It's a $1 million pipe organ. And, of course, when you play Bach and Beethoven on it, it's supposed, that big organ is supposed to bring glory to God. Amen. If you can build it big enough, if it's shiny enough. Well, here's what God said about all of this religious attempt to bring glory to Him. Outside of the Holy Spirit, outside of the cross, outside of the Christ. 
He said, heaven is my throne. The entire heaven is where I sit. That's my throne. And your planet, the earth, that's my footstool. And then he said this, where's the house? Where's the house? If the earth is my throne and heaven's my footstool, what are you going to build on my footstool that can contain me? Nothing. It's a rhetorical question. Nothing. You can't draw him by the beauty of your architecture. A friend of ours went to Rome with a Catholic friend of his. He's, he's not anything at this point. We're, we're my mother-in-law witnessed to him. We try to witness to him. And I tried to, you know, plumb the depth, see where he was spiritually. I said, he said, we went to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. We looked at all the beautiful architecture and, and you know, all the, just the, all of the beauty of it all. And I said, did you feel any sense of God or closer to God by being in that place because of its religious significance. And, and he's, he said, let me show you my picture outside of here. Let me show you. Nothing. Nothing. It meant nothing to him. But I'm going to tell you what will mean something. If he ever encounters the living presence of God. There's nowhere you can go. There's no nothing man can build. Amen. For a habitation. Listen to this very carefully. <laughs> Amen. He said, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where is the building that you will build for me? And then he goes on to say, but to whom will I look? What will cause me to come into that place? Even he. Even he. Even he that, that trembleth at my word is uh, he, that, he that is of a humble and contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. The Apostle Paul didn't come in all the credentials of his apostleship. He didn't come spouting about all of his gifts. He didn't come to put himself on a pedestal. He said, when I was with you, I was with you in fear. And I was with you in much trembling can you say man that your faith not stand in the wisdom of man but that your faith stand where it's supposed to stand in the power of god my preaching and my teaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom but in a demonstration of spirit and of power can you say man honey i have heard some people with great theological backgrounds, explain in wonderful theological truth many, many things. But I have never seen a man, a sinner convicted by an explanation without a demonstration. Can you say, man? Oh, you didn't hear me today. If you came to Christ, the Holy Ghost had to draw you. The Father had to draw you. And this gospel did not come like it's coming all over the place today. In word only. It never came in word only. As accurate and good the word is, it never came in word only. But it came in power. It came in the Holy Ghost. And therefore it came with much assurance. 
Can you say amen? Because you didn't give mental assent to the truth. You were had the Holy Spirit touch you. The Holy Spirit revealed to you. Hallelujah. And on that rock, the true church is built and is built so strong that the gates of hell can't prevail against it. I tell you, you can't shake me with nobody's theology that is contrary to God's truth. I've got a simple formula in my life. Let God be true and every man become the liar. Can you liar, liar, pants on fire. Can you say man? God came to me when I was pastoring Sulphur Springs. He came and he said, I need to come and speak to your congregation next Sunday. I thought, oh, really? You need to do that. Yes, God told me to do it. He's given me a revelation. I'm going all over America with the revelation God gave me. And I really didn't want to know what it was because I'd already disqualified it. Because God told him to tell me, but he didn't tell me about him. And I'm a stickler for God talking to me about those kind of decisions. Since he's going to hold me responsible for what people say in the pulpit that I'm responsible for. I don't want to see you go to hell. So I'm not going to let nobody preach that you can go to heaven without Jesus from this pulpit. Amen. I want you to be blessed. A lot of things I'm saying is going to be hard on your flesh. Well, join the crowd. It's hard on mine too. But you know what? Everything that's hard on my flesh helps me crucify my flesh. If you're going to crucify your flesh, you're going to have to have some nails. We're going to hand them out by the handful on Sunday morning. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah. And you know something? I'm going to be able to tell who's being pierced by it. And the people that want to follow Jesus realize that if you don't deny yourself and take up your cross, you can't follow Christ. And if you're intending to take up your cross and follow Him, you're going to have to nail that old man to the cross. It's going to be some pressure and pain involved. Your flesh can't keep ruling you if you want to follow Jesus. Amen? You can't follow Him by getting baptized in water. You go down a dry center, you come up a wet center. That, that doesn't change anything. So if we get rid of the pride and we strip away the vain glory... And we understand the gospel did not come. There's some people that wouldn't darken that doorway no matter what God does in here. Because to affiliate with a small, humble church would be beneath. We had a, oh, let me finish this guy. Tell you why I'm, I watch my pulpit closely. Number one, because I have to account for your soul. As long as I'm the pastor, I have to account for your soul. And if I'm going to account for your soul, I'm going to make sure the truth is brought here. And nobody misleads you. Now, what you watch on TV is your own business. I'm not there to monitor you. Amen? You're going to have to get your own Holy Ghost filter. But I want you to get so much truth in you that some things just turn you off. So you will turn it off. Can you say amen? And get back in the book, back in the Bible. There's a, The few people that come here have told me on no uncertain terms, 80% of you have said, if you didn't preach the truth on Sunday like you do, the thing that some people find objectionable, I wouldn't come here. The reason I'm coming here is not because you've got a big, beautiful building. 
And it's not because you're a big famous preacher. The reason I'm coming here because I actually believe that you're going to hear from God and you're going to tell us what He wants us to know and you're going to do it from the Scriptures accurately. And we can go home and search the Scriptures and find out, yep, it's right there. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said you can go home and you should go home and search the Scripture because we're in the day of great deception. So this guy come in and he, he said... He said, I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell every congregation. And God told me to come to yours next Sunday. He said, Jesus was not virgin born. There we are. This wasn't a wolf in a sheep suit. This was just an out and out wolf. Period. His sheep suit didn't work no more for me. You know. Grandma, Grandma, what big teeth you have. What big ears you got. What a fuzzy face you got. What bad breath. Amen. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. What have we got here? I mean, you know, I was, when I first got saved, I was naive. I just thought Christians were really Christians. I didn't know about all this other world. Amen. I was, but I got, my, I got my education real quick. Jesus was not virgin born. But then he began to give me some scripture here or there. And I said, wait, 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 wait. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. I said, listen. I said, I've got you telling me you're a prophet. And you telling me Jesus was not virgin born I said I got Isaiah saying behold this shall be a sign unto you for a virgin shall conceive and so I said I got Isaiah you know I wanted to imply I get real sarcastic sometimes with these kind of people and I don't have to repent of it can you say man I do not repent of it he's lucky I didn't do what he said Kick him on out the door. Just There's something called the bum's rush. You know what it is? You grab somebody by the collar, you take them to the door, and you shove them out the door. Well, I'm, I, I, you know, I didn't give him the bum's rush but he, because he rushed out on his own. Anyway, I said, I got Isaiah. I got Isaiah. And I didn't have to go further than Isaiah. I didn't even have to give him all the New Testament scriptures. I just said, I got Isaiah, and I got you. And I know Isaiah was a hand-picked major prophet of God. And sir, I don't know you from Adam's house cat. If he had a house cat, I wouldn't know him. And I said, so I'm going with Isaiah. I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus and I believe it is so vital to our faith. If you take that away from our faith, it is not the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Can you say amen? That's how important the virgin birth is. So when you talk about that, that round yon virgin mother and child at Christmas, you're talking about a cardinal truth that must be defended if we're going to defend the faith at all. And he said, well, sir, I beg to differ with you. You are wrong. And I said, well, sir, then this is the end of our conversation. 
And I pointed at the door. I didn't give him the bum's rush. I just pointed at the door. And as he walked away, guess what he did? He spoke in some of the most beautiful tongues that you've ever heard. Now, there are Christians so biblically illiterate and gullible that if they hear somebody say, come tie my bow tie, can you say amen? They accept them. They must be a dedicated Christian to have the Holy Ghost. i got to tell you this for the sake of the tape. You know it from way back. But I'll never forget a lady that we went to church with and she prayed in tongues. She interceded in tongues. Uh, she was like Paul, though I speak in tongues more than you all. But when, and, and she was just a very spiritually oriented lady. She had a prayer meeting at her home every Tuesday morning. And ladies would come, and they would pray, and they would pray in other tongues. Particularly, she would lead the prayer. She would begin to intercede in that heavenly language. And she had the love of God in her heart, so it was validated. And they would pray, and then they would have some tea and, and whatever, and then they would go home. And she owned a minor bird. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's parrots and there's minor birds, but to me... The plainest speaking birds I have ever heard is minor birds. They're a black bird, and, and they can talk. My car b broke down back when I was, you know, young in a galaxy far, far away in a time long, long ago. And I went into a house and asked, may I use your telephone to call for some help? And they said, sure, go right ahead, young man. And I walked over to the telephone. Before I could pick it up, there was a minor bird hanging there in the cage. And he said, Eight four nine seven two six five, in the clearest voice I've ever heard. And I thought, what in the world? I touched the phone again. He said, eight four nine seven two six five. He even had a southern drawl. Amen. <laughs> I mean, that bird could talk. I went over, pick it up again. That bird said, eight four nine seven two. And I looked at him. I said, that bird can talk. She said, yeah, we can't shut him up. She owned a minor bird. She said, she told me about what he did. She said, we call the dogs every evening when it's time to feed them around 5 o'clock. And their dogs was named Rough and Ready. Rough and Ready. And they would call them and say, come on, Rough. Come on, Ready. And boy, when they heard that around 5 o'clock, they knew it's chow time. And they bust a run. Put the minor bird out on the back porch in the nice weather. And he had watched those dogs run when they said that. And he was bored sitting around in that cage doing nothing. And the minor bird thought, you know, I'm going to add some, some spice to my day. So he said, yeah, Ruff, come on, ready? I mean, loud and clear, she said. She said, he said it in my voice. He mimicked my voice. And the dogs are laying out, just lazing around. They hear that. And you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they come running. And the bird, you know, I don't know if he laughed, but I can, you know, you can just see that bird sitting there saying, wow, that worked good. And he said, we had to cover his cage up until we could bring him in because he was driving our dogs crazy. Every time they laid down, every time they got still, he said, come here, ready? Come on, rough." And here they come running to the back porch, wagging their tail. And the dog's sitting there like, hmm. 
And here's the thing about the sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Uh, whoever you qualify, that's your subjective opinion. Don't ask me to join you because you said someone was spiritual. I will not join you. I want to see some fruit. I don't want to know how much they speak in tongues. That's immaterial to me because without the true spirit of God within, it's what? It's noise. It may appear to be super spiritual, but it's noise. I used to be afraid to question. Now I'm afraid not to question. I have completely changed lanes. I'm in another lane. I've seen so much phony baloney in the name of the Lord. I've seen so many false prophets. I've seen so many unfruitful Christians that would talk in tongues one minute and cut you to pieces with the same tongue the next minute. And the Bible is very clear. Bitter. Said with one tongue you bless God and the other you curse your brother. Said bitter and sweet water. Doesn't came out of the same fountain. Can you say man? For by thy words you're going to be justified. And by thy words you're going to be condemned. Listen to me very carefully. This gets so important. Anyway they got through praying one day. And heavenly tongues flowed. And they stopped every one of them and thought, oh, Lord, did you know we're Pentecostal? We think maybe angels are in here talking in other tongues. Because Paul said, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels, angels talk in a different tongue than we do in their heavenly praise and worship. Sometimes I believe when we move into those tongues of worship that we're, we're talking to God in the same kind of language that angels do in His presence in heaven. Wow, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels. They heard tongues. And they were taken back by it. And, and they looked to see where the sound traced it. And they walked right out of the living room into the sitting room. Where the bird was looking at them all around the corner. And I'm going to tell you something. If a minor bird can mimic tongues just like that lady that was full of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, it had to be the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. No, it don't have to be the Holy Spirit. For no marvel if Satan himself be transformed as an angel of light. And his ministers, his minister, his ministers as ministers of righteousness. This is important today. So if you submit someone to me as super spiritual, I'm immediately super suspect. Because you're going to attribute their spirituality to their gifts and not their fruit. Hello? Because Pentecostal value system is not based on fruit, character, Christ-likeness. Stuart and Jill Briscoe have had a wonderful marriage and a wonderful ministry for many, many, many years. Speak at conferences all over America. And they were speaking in this conference on Christ-likeness, following Jesus, defining Christian as being like Christ, not just going to church and getting baptized in water, but following Jesus. And they, they got real honest about it. said there was a, a tremendous move of God's Spirit 
in that meeting when challenged to really get honest about are we followers of Christ in terms of His character. See, the Holy Spirit is not just power to do initially. It doesn't start with charismata. It starts with character. The first work of the Holy Spirit is to recreate the character of Christ in us. And that is called the product or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and you know all the different nine supernatural. Supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. See, it has to be the product of the Holy Spirit inside us changing our character. As we behold as in a glass His face, we are transformed into His image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit. It has to be a supernatural work. We have to yield and we have to want it and desire it and surrender to it. But only God can do it through us. Well, I'm going to bring forth the goodness by being good in my flesh. No, you're not. No, you can't do it. Oh, I can be good. Oh, yeah, that's what I told my daddy after the second whipping for the same thing. Daddy, I'll be good. I'll be good until I get away from you where you can't see me. Looking at people after the flesh and their goodness that's put out before them. A man came to Jesus and he used to seeing all the priesthood and the Pharisees and Sadducees and religionists. These great, good men. Self-righteous. Some of the last people you could ever get saved were those good religionists of Jesus' day. In fact, it was them that wanted Him on the cross. Amen? And Jesus knew this man was looking at Him after the flesh and not after the Spirit. And He said, Why callest thou me good? There's only one good. Oh, friend of mine. When it said the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever, it's not He's just a nice God. It means He's 100% holy. He's 100% pure. In Him there is no darkness at all. Can you say, man, the Lord is what? He's good. He's, he's, he's an unchanging, holy, perfect, loving, powerful, but good God. I like that story of the Narnia Chronicles where, where Aslan is represented as, the, as, the, as that great lion is represented as Christ in that, in that, uh, that analogy, really. Uh, and, and, and the little girl saw this huge, powerful lion and said, is he dangerous? And immediately she was told, yes, he's dangerous. But he's good. Can you say, man, he's good. He's good. Is he dangerous? Let me tell you something about facing him as judge. Rejecting the offer of salvation, therefore rejecting his son and his sacrifice. It's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing. To fall into the hands of the living God. If you meet him as judge, it's going to be the most terrifying, horrifying 
thing that could ever happen to you. That's why the Bible said, don't fear them that can kill the body and they can't do another thing to you, but rather fear him that can cast both body and soul into hell. It's a message you do not hear from the pulpits in America, Pentecostal or otherwise. Can you say, man, we're in an imbalanced church age where we talk more about the love of God without balancing it with the judgment of God. And that's why so many people in church are falling over into that judgment area. They're not afraid to sin. They're not afraid to lie. They're not afraid to commit adultery. They're not afraid to live in fornication because the fear of the Lord is missing. Can you say amen? Friend friend of mine, it's a fearful thing. I serve him because I love him. But I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to go fishing, Terry, you don't want to go fishing with me. If I went down to Ebo City last night, and I found a woman and I got drunk and I did some pot and I I decided to go to bed with her. Amen. And then come back here and receive communion on a Sunday morning. You do not want to go fishing with me on Monday. You know why? Because I am a true child of God. Amen. And you know what the Bible said? He chastens how many? Every son that he loves and scourges every one that he receives. And it says, don't you faint when you're chastened of him. Because if you be without chastisement, you're bastards. Is that the word? Don't look at me in shock. How many watch TV? You ought to be just as shocked when you hear words worse than that. We've lost the shock value. But I believe God wanted to shock us. He wanted to shock us. And say, if you're doing wrong and I'm not chastising you, you do not belong to me. Because everyone that belongs to me is chastised by me. See, the pastor that just loves you and never tells you the truth and just talks about how much he loves you and God loves you and nothing you do matters to God. The Word of God is profitable this way for reproof and for rebuke. Reproof and rebuke? You mean I'm going to get convicted? Sitting in church? How dare you? You mean I'm going to get rebuked? My flesh is going to get rebuked when I'm wrong? I don't like that. I'm going to tell you what Vance Habner said, and I agree with I'd rather the preacher rock the boat than have the devil wreck the boat. Can you say amen? If I don't get hit by a sermon, I'm going to hunt another church. Because my flesh needs reproving. Sometimes I get a wrong attitude. I know all your halos are just spinning right now. You know why we got double doors? You know why we got these big double doors? It's so the fire marshal can see that when we open them, everybody can get out. There won't be a bottleneck. No! That's not the only reason. It's to let all those saints... With the huge angel wings. Get in the door with those big wings and that big halo. Every child of God has to deal with your weak flesh. 
Every one of us. And the only way to follow Jesus is to deny ourselves, not indulge ourselves, and take up our cross. That means crucify the flesh with the lust thereof so that we can walk in the Spirit. Because the only way you can follow Him is walking in the Spirit. You can't walk as He walked without supernatural love. You can't walk as He walked without supernatural peace. You can't overcome like He overcame without supernatural power. But it's not just getting baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. It's growing. Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you might stay right where you are. Know that you may grow thereby. We have a slogan on that little sign between the trees out front. Come and worship with us. Come and learn with us. And come and grow with us. I'm going to tell you something. There's no full grown Christian in this church. Oh, but before you put us down, there's no full grown Christian in any church. There's no full grown Christian preaching the gospel. Amen? You know how I know? Because to be full grown we got to be full-blown, just like Him, the image of Him. And I've never met a man yet. I've never met a woman yet. I had somebody tell me, this woman that's leading that church, she's that close to God. And I thought, wow, that close. Isn't that amazing? Somebody has put somebody on a pedestal because of their gifts or their spirituality that they define by what? By revelations, by tongues, by prophecies, by dreams. These are valid things. I'm not putting them down. I'm saying if God gives you a spiritual gift, it don't make you mature. But most people that get a gift sit down on the gift and quit seeking to be like Jesus anymore. You should receive power. Power to... We see gifts. We see charismata. Power! Power! You should receive power to be. Before doing anything. And so what did we do? We went after the power so we could do these exploits. I wasn't accepted as a Pentecostal unless they heard me speak in tongues. If they didn't hear me speak in tongues, they wouldn't credit me with any kind of spiritual fullness in my life. No matter how I loved and sacrificed, and I was ready to leave everything and go to Haiti. We got ready to sell our little bit. But I believe me, it would have been... We, it would have been much of a yard sale. We didn't have hardly anything, so we didn't have to sacrifice. We thought God called us to go to Jamaica as missionaries. We prepared to go to Jamaica. And we found out God didn't want us to go to Jamaica. He wanted us to go to another dark, suffering place. Full of the devil and witchcraft. Tampa. He sent us to, oh yes, my dear, yes, you don't have to go to the islands to find it. 
I had a witch, a practicing witch, come and sit in the back of our church. And, and uh, she was overheard at McDonald's by some of our parishioners after church saying to us another lady that she conspired with that she's putting a curse on Br- Brother Venable and his family. Well, I'm glad to report, amen, if you dig one ditch, you better dig two. For the ditch you dig just might be for you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I'm glad to tell you she finally packed up and left. Not because I confronted her, but because God got a hold of her. Put his fear in her heart. And I'm going to tell you something about all the voodoo and the hoodoo. Amen. And all that other doo-doo. Can you say amen? That's all it is. It's all it. I said a nice word. Can you say amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. He that's in me, I make a declaration. I make a declaration. You're tempting the devil. No, if the devil could have stopped me, he wouldn't have waited till now, darling. He would have done it a long time ago. Can you say amen? I'm making a declaration. I'm making a declaration. Let angels hear it. Let demons fear it. Amen. He that's in me, he that's in me, is greater than he that is in the world. Had a gospel preacher tell me that all of his problems was because a spiritist church put up near his church. Giving the devil more credit than God. I love the preacher that went to India. He sent his team before him to set up the crusade. And they felt nothing but the oppression of a nation of darkness that worships thousands of gods. And demons impersonate every god that man is worshiping. When he got off the plane, he had fasted. He had prayed. He knew the greater one was in him. He knew God appointed him. God anointed him. God sent him. I love his answer. When his point man came up, got him in the car, took him to the hotel, getting ready for the crusade to begin that night. And he told him, says, Brother, can't you feel? And see, some of your feelers are all messed up. You can feel the devil more than you can feel God. You can sense the enemy's opposition more than Christ's victory. And God would like to tip you. Out where I came from, Sefner, Mango, Plant City. It got before Nintendo. You know what you do on Saturday night? Redneck, Saturday night. Cows are peacefully grazing in the twilight of the day or in the moonlight. They're standing peacefully in the field. You can just hear nothing but crickets. And a car truck pulls up with a bunch of redneck boys in it. Run up behind the unsuspecting cow and tip him over. And the cow goes, Someone threw you out of your bed in the middle of the night. You'd probably sound a lot like that. Cow tipping was a big deal in Plant City. What do you do for fun on Saturday night? We go out in the pasture and tip a cow. <laughs> Pretty tame to what people are doing now. I'd love to tip some Christians over to the... 
that are living over on the dark side. Luke. Luke. Who's your daddy, Luke? I'd love to get some Christians out of the dark side. Get them over on the bright side. I'd love to tip you over from being so sensitive to the devil and get you to sense the presence of God again. Can you say, man, I'd rather, I'd like to see you get out of fear into faith. I'd like to see you get out of being intimidated into being an intimidator. Can you say, man, the, the Holy Spirit that is in, inside of you, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of power that's within you, amen, He's greater. He's greater. I'm telling you, He's greater. You've got the greater one living in you. Greater is He that's in you than He that is in this world. Don't ever forget it. Take authority over those thoughts. Cast down those imaginations. Get off the dark side. And get over on the right side. I'm going to tip you over today. Don't you sense the oppression? Of course, if all you're thinking about is the demonic world. Thank God for an evangelist with victory that knew who he was in Christ and Christ in him. He got off the plane. That was his first encounter. Don't you feel the oppression? And I felt that oppression. Amen. But I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Stand on the Word of God. Put my armor on. Praise God. And go on and do the work of God without being intimidated. He said, you know, it's strange that you should say that. He said, I have prayed. I have sought God. I have interceded for this meeting. I have not only asked God to open the floodgates of heaven, I've asked Him, amen, to close every door that the enemy tries to come in. And He said, from the time that I left home, and He said, especially when my feet hit the tarmac at the airport, I have felt nothing but the power and the presence of an almighty God. God and we did not come here amen to see what the devil was going to do or hear what the devil is going to say we came here to declare Jesus is Lord can you say man hallelujah 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 amen glory to God so I'm trying to do some tipping I'm trying to catch some people asleep in their faith and asleep with their understanding and just tip them over so when they get back up on their feet they get up like and stand firm hallelujah we went through a season of everything being blamed on the devil and this consciousness of the devil and evil There are preachers right now more concerned about the witchcraft in Pope County than they are the mighty move of the Holy Spirit around the world. Oh, there's witches over there. There's covens over there. Okay. I get it. The devil is alive and well. You know, you almost want to break into that. What what are they going to sing on Easter morning? The devil is alive and well. The devil is alive and well. Go tell everybody you can tell that the devil is alive and well. What? 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 It, oh yeah, he's alive and well. He's so alive and he's so well. He's conquering Christians. I like what R.W. Shambach said years ago. He said the devil 
The Scripture said is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, which means he may not devour everybody. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. It's the only way to resist him effectively. And then he said, the devil is as a roaring lion. He is a hungry lion. He wants to devour everyone that he can, but Jesus pulled his teeth at Calvary. But then he said what we all know to be true. But the sad fact is that so many Christians are being defeated and devoured by a toothless lion. That's why the Bible said don't give him place. Because as a Christian, if you don't give it to him, he has no authority to take it. So when the devil comes and wants you to exalt him and wants you to sense him and feel him, I don't come in here to see if he showed up or who showed up and brought him in here. I do sense opposition, but most of the time it's not for some witch in the back trying to practice witchcraft that's going to have to run out of the building. Amen. They said they got in that meeting that night. They said the they had this huge tent put up and it was full and one of his aides got there late and he said when I got out of my car I saw looked like a spirit and he was running around that meeting and he would try to to go in under that tent and it was like hitting I used to work at a gas station when I was young and I really prided myself in between because that was full service and I pumped the gas and I washed the windows and I checked the oil and put air in the tires for a dollar's worth of gas Amen. that somebody bought when it was 19 cents a gallon and, and I prided myself on the window of the gas station right by the door was a plate glass window and it went from the top to the bottom and I got my Windex or that I, whatever I used for the windows of the cars and I cleaned that window and I scrubbed that window and I wiped that window clean and you couldn't tell there was a window there and I'd be turning my back doing something else and I'd hear a bump and I'd see some guy come and hit that glass and just bounce back and then hold his head and he said son you better put some butterflies on that window or you better put some kind of stencils on that window somebody's going to crash right through it because they 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 it, it was it became invisible to them an invisible barrier i'm going to tell you true intercession from a standpoint of victory in the name of jesus christ puts a force field puts a what did they do when they're under attack in Star Wars? What did they do? I haven't seen the movie. I just used to watch all the Star Trek. What do they do? What do they want to do when they know they're going to be attacked? What do they do? What do they do? Do they just fire their rockets? No. They're going to be fired upon too. They don't want to be hit by anything. So they say, put up the shields. What shields? This force field. A rocket is fired. It hits the force field. It bounces off. 
There's another shield, a spiritual shield. It's a force field against the enemy. It's called the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able. God's not going to come down and do it for us, church. Amen. He's given us authority so we can do it in His name. Don't patty cake. Give Him a hand or don't clap at all. Why don't God deal with this? Because He gave you and I the authority to deal with it. Take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be enabled supernaturally by God who gets the glory. Quench. How many? What gets through that field? All. 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 The fiery darts of the wicked one. Sometimes my wife comes to me and said, we're under some kind of attack or whatever's going wrong. She said, honey, you're the priest of this home. She recognizes I have been given authority as a Christian. I've been given authority as a husband. Amen. I have a spiritual covering to offer my family. Amen. Because I'm a man of God. I don't play church. I don't just go to church. I follow Christ. And I feel that authority. The Bible said if, 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 if the man knew what hour the thief was going to come, if the thief had pre-announced himself and he knew at 2 o'clock in the morning there's going to be a thief in my neighborhood. And he has got my address. He's marked my home. And he's going to try to bust down my door and hurt my family and take everything that I've worked so hard for. At 2 in the morning, he's going to be there. They said, listen, the thief can't just do that to just anybody. Can you say man? Said the only way the thief can do that if he bind first the strong man. Well, the strong man in my house is not just me, darling. Amen. Because there's spiritual attacks that you can't deal with with a 38. Or a 32. Or a 9 millimeter. It's not me and Smith and Wesson. It's me and Jesus. I'm not saying that I wouldn't use my 38. But I'd use it in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and I would fire a warning shot. See, I live in Plant City where those signs are up. You know, those signs are up where a posted pasture is. The sign says, due to the high cost of ammunition... We will no longer be able to fire a warning shot. Sorry for the inconvenience. The other sign on the other side of the pasture says, Posted, violators will be shot. If they survive, they shall be shot again. I remember years ago where it said, you know, beware of the dog. <laughs> Yeah, shows a pistol and says, beware of the owner on the door. And then the other one was, this house guarded, protected by a pit bull with AIDS. People get real serious about their protection. 
Yes, you, he, don't have to, he don't have to kill you with the bite. He just gets the, you know what I'm talking about. But you know something? You get in a congregation that's more aware of their opposition. We have a great enemy in Satan. Make no mistake about it. But we have a greater ally in Jesus Christ. Can you say man? There is victory in Jesus. I will not concede that the devil can defeat me unless he can tempt me into giving him ground. Because if you don't bind the strong man, you can't spoil a man's goods. You've got to first bind the strong man. And in order to bind the strong man, what's the first thing you've got to do? You've got to blind the strong man. Let me give you one strong man example and we'll quit and have communion. Samson was a Levite. And God chose to anoint him with supernatural strength so that he could defend Israel against their enemies in the name of the God of Israel. Not in his name to build his reputation. And Samson, when he was young, his parents told him that he was anointed of God and appointed of God to be a Levite, a priest unto God. And there was a covenant, something he could do. It's similar to circumcision to mark them as a people different from the other people in that they had a covenant with God. He said, don't cut your hair, ever. It's your covenant. And it wasn't to look like a hippie. Amen. Thank God for hippies. We got a lot of hippies saved. Amen. And the church was so sensitive about people in there with long hair. We had a tapestry of Jesus, and, and we had to take it down because it offended somebody because Jesus had long hair. And when I grew a beard, anybody with a beard's trying to hide something. What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? They plucked Jesus' beard. What did he do? People get crazy. Samson, Samson got ahead of his parents as a child, young man, just a teenager. And he's walking out in front of his parents. They're coming along. They're traveling somewhere. He's never, never felt or used the power that was resting on him as a Levite. But when the lion roared against him, when the lion roared against him, a young lion looked at a young man and said, Boy, <laughs> he ain't got no defenses. He ain't got nobody around him to protect him. He's out there by himself, and I'm a young, strong lion, and I'm hungry. And he roared against him, roaring lion. Roar! And the moment he roared against him, the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. Hallelujah. By the way, before the Spirit of the Lord came on him for this demonstration of power, it said when he was a young man, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. Now, every one of you that have received the Holy Spirit know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. There's sometimes you feel that witness. Sometimes I feel him stand up on the inside of me. Sometimes there's a bold. I'm bold anyway because of him. But there's a boldness that rises up. You wouldn't know me in high school. I was introverted. I was not an extrovert. Amen. I couldn't talk without sweating and getting sick at my stomach till I got 
saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And now everybody's wishing I would hush. Can you say amen? <laughs> but God has been so good to me. But it's not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. Praise God. Samson took him and slew him as he would a baby goat. He said he took a roaring lion and killed him like he would a baby goat. When the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But you can't spoil a man's goods until you bind the strong man. He's got a penchant. He's got an uncontrolled sexuality. He has power. But he has no character. The Spirit could come upon him. But he could never come within him. And when we just go for the power to do the exploits, and we never want to grow more like Jesus in character, we're headed for a fall because at some point that power is going to convince you that you can stand alone without leaning on Jesus and looking to Jesus as you should. And it doesn't matter how big your ministry, how big your name, how great your reputation. When a man says, and he might not say it publicly out loud, but he'll say it in his heart. Behold! He better take heed. Remember Peter? Behold, I stand, Peter. One of you is going to betray me. He said, yeah. Yeah. I've been looking. At the, I, I don't trust him either. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's what he was saying. They may. Any one of them. But not me. And he looked at Peter through that pride and through that Impertinence, impertinence of pride and said before the clock crows in the morning you will have denied me three times and you know what it bounced off Peter just like a lot of my preaching bounces off of people not me not me this is not for me this service is not for me and you will meet me after you had never have because you know better but I used to have people meet me after the service Hey, Brother Venable, I want to thank you for that message. You really told them today. Wink, wink. Can you say, man? They really needed it, and I so appreciate you letting them have it. Wink, wink. They really, they really, didn't they need it? Yeah, they needed it. We all need it. I need it too. So the first thing he does, so we think we're so holy that if we make a mistake, the power will leave us and let us know that we're backslid. It don't. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He had to push the limits to get God to retract that anointing on him. Before he ever met Delilah, he began to compromise. As a man of God, as a priest, and as a covenant child of Israel he found a Philistine lady in a city and he laid with her and it wasn't Delilah this was pre-Delilah and he laid with her all night long got up the next morning after fornicating all night sexual sin and guess what the Philistines watched him go into that city. They surrounded it with troops. 
And they blocked the gate so he couldn't get out. Now hear this, Pentecostal. And it'll explain to you why so many have fallen that you thought could never fail because of their gifts and their anointings. And it shook you like it did me when they did fall. And they did fall. And the Spirit of the Lord came on him. There are preachers that have preached a revival where people have come to Christ under a powerful anointing that were in the no-tell motel until God exposed them. While they were preaching on television in such an anointing, they were laying with a harlot for over a year until God exposed it. One thing's for sure, God will not hide sin. He will not cover it even for His own name's sake because He wants the sinner to repent and get restored. Can you say amen? But the people you got on a pedestal, you need to take them off of it and put Jesus in that place. Amen. Because you want to be like that person instead of like the person God wants you to be like. Can you say amen? You want to have that gift. You want that kind of spiritual notoriety. You want people to respect you spiritually instead of to humble yourself and say, I just want them to see Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I just want them to see Jesus. How many believe this world needs to see Jesus? He went up to the gates, took them off the hinges, and broke them. And walked out, and when they saw what he did, they backed off. Because they knew the Spirit of God is on him. But he continued down the road unconvicted. Convinced that whatever he did, the Spirit would be there. And he got comfortable in sin. Say comfortable in sin. He found a woman to have sexual relations with. She was a Philistine out of wedlock he wasn't supposed to be associating or marrying into the pagan world but he did and he was comfortable after their relations he laid his head in Delilah's lap and the Philistines had hired her to seduce him and listen well, he was doing such a great work, the devil. No, no, no. You get that out of your mind. You're, not, you're giving credit to the devil instead of assigning responsibility to someone who did terrible wrong and paid the consequences for it. If the devil can make Billy Graham sin, if he could, he would have never been around the world with the gospel of Christ. But there was a greater one living on the inside. We claim the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to account for that. Can you say amen? Oh, well, the devil hated him because he was reaching the world. Of course the devil hated him because he was reaching the world. But greater is he that is in him than he that is in this world. I want to tip some sacred cows over. I want to get man off the pedestal and put God on the throne. Can you say amen where he belongs? I want to see Christian victory again. I don't want to hear excuses for defeat. Second place isn't good enough in this battle. There is no runner-up. Samson, tell me the secret of your strength if you love me. When you start loving the world, 
Here it comes. I believe it was more than sex between him and Delilah. This was different. I believe he actually fell in love with her. Why? Because she, he led her. <laughs> Have you ever heard about somebody that was so in love with a lady? Said she, he was like putty in her hands. Amen. She could just bend him in because he's in love. Well, I said, love not the world, nor the things that are in it. Sam said, tell me. I can't tell you. If you love me, if you love me, you would tell me. Well, you know, if they bound me with brand new rope, they've been using used rope. He lied to her to get her off his back. If they bound me with brand new cords, never been used or worn or stretched, I won't be able to break out. The lady's head back in her lap. And you woke up, and what a surprise. Can you say amen? What a surprise. He's bound with green cords that nobody knew that he said would work except one person, Delilah. And he's so dumb. Amen. I mean, I'm standing outside the seduction and the temptation and the pride that brought him there and the compromise, and all I can say is, are you, what is wrong with you? What is your problem? Can't you see? Have you ever seen a woman seduce a man and you knew the woman was going to destroy him? Have you ever seen a man seduce a woman and you knew the man's going to destroy him? And you're trying to tell them and they're not listening. Be careful where you set your heart. Because whoever has your heart has sway over you. So keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Can you say amen? She bugged him, and everything he told her, he woke up and found it and couldn't figure out that she was given the information. And he finally gave in and told her the truth. He said, I'm a Nazarite from birth. And if anyone ever cuts my hair, the anointing on me is gone. Surprise, surprise. When he woke up from his sleep in her lap, his head felt lighter. He probably got up and did what he usually does. Shook his head, let his hair kind of, you know, cascade down on his shoulders. But there wasn't no hair to cascade down. And they bound him up. They didn't have to use anything special. Because now, this man was as weak as anybody else. And he was not able to break the bond. You know what used to happen when they bound him? When the Spirit of the Lord came on him, he didn't have to flex. He didn't have to flex. I saw a muscle shirt the other day. And it you know, had no arms in it. That's why they call it a muscle shirt. And what, you know what was written on it? I flexed my arms and the sleeves fell off. <laughs> he didn't have to flex. You know what? I, 
I got to say this. We're, we're way behind time. But is it good enough that we need to get it today? So much trash and falsehood and defeat and shipwreck. We need to get serious about our salvation and serious about our victory and serious about the name that we bear. He said, I was like any other man. When the Spirit came on him, it said, the Spirit of God did the work. Not just His anointing, but the Spirit itself, it said, the bonds melted off of him like burning flax. That holy anointing on him, the ropes that tried to bind him, they just flashed in a fire and fell off. And what can you do to a man like that? Get him to compromise his faith. Get him to live in unconfessed sin. And watch that compromise cause the Spirit of the Lord to draw back. And when the Spirit of the Lord draws back apart from Him, what can we do? Absolutely nothing but fail. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city without gates whose walls are broken down. If the devil wants to come in, there ain't no strong man to stop him. Can you say amen? Don't give him that opportunity. Because if you don't, he can't. If I don't, he can't. Praise God. There's victory in Jesus. I came to declare it today. No matter how many leaders you see fall, there is victory. If I fall, mark it down. I gave place to the devil. The devil did not overcome me. The devil did not overwhelm me. I had to give him the ground. If I didn't give it to him in the name of Jesus Christ, he cannot take it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 They bound him. And he expected as at other times the Spirit to come on him. But he was as any other man, completely weak and helpless. And the first thing they did, just in case, just in case there's some residue of power in him. Because he could kill a thousand men with a jawbone under the anointing of a donkey. They took the tip of a spear and they plucked out both eyeballs. They took him down to the temple of their God. And hooked him to a grist mill like an ox. And made sport of him in the name of Jehovah. And he walked in circles all day long while they hurled insults at him and his God. Amen. And he walked in circles pushing that big grist mill just like an animal. Unwashed and unshaven. Oh, and unshorn. They forgot something. They forgot something. Yeah, just let him look like old shaggy something another. Don't shave him. Don't bathe him. Don't cut his hair either. Don't let him look good. Let him look bad. But his hair began to grow. We had hairy envy yesterday with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And his hair began to grow. Oh, it wasn't just the growth of his hair. 
But inside his heart, he wanted that power back more than he wanted illicit sex. He wanted that power back more than he wanted illicit forbidden love. He wanted that power back. Amen. He wanted it back. He wanted it back. But there was not only a residue of anointing on him, there was a residue of pride in him. And that's what power on you can't deal with. It's pride in you. Couldn't with David. The giant slayer got slayed by sexual desire. Amen. And so he, he's, he's going around in circles. And he realizes his hair has grown back out. And there's a young man came up to look at him, probably scoff at him, say, so this used to be God's champion. This used to be that supernatural man with all that power. Look at him. He put his hand on the shoulder and said, Son, aren't we in your temple of your God? All this noise, all this worshiping noise going on in you. You must be worshiping your God. He said, Yeah, we are. It's a celebration today. We're worshiping our God. They've come from all over to worship Him. He said, this must be a huge temple. He said, it is. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. He said, it must be huge pillars that hold this temple up. He said, son, could I stand between two of those big pillars? I would just like to, I would like to feel them. And see how strong and big they are. And so here's a little boy leading God's anointed over to stand between the pillars. And here's the prayer that was wrong. Here's the residue of pride. He had taken the name of God and drug it in the mud. And he wasn't a bit concerned. Don't you put him in the hall of heroes. And don't you say, I can sin like Samson and I'll get the power back and I'll have a great ministry and everything will be fine. Don't put him in the hall of heroes. You know what God did through him? He did what he did when the ark was lost. He defended his own name before the false gods. Here's the erroneous prayer see if you can tell me where the pride is in it you know what he could have prayed what he should have prayed would you like to hear because you need to pray according to the will of god if you expect an answer he should have said lord i've sinned against you i'm sorry and i have caused your name to be evil spoken of and i'm so sorry oh lord strengthen me one more time. Restore me that I may bring glory and honor to your name before the enemies of you and of Israel. That's not what he prayed. I believe if he prayed that prayer, he would have walked away a victor. But he didn't pray that, did he? Televangelist fails, give me back my full television ministry. And give me back the money that I used to get. And give me back the respect that I used to have. No. 
You apologize to God for your sin and everybody that you hurt through your sin and you say, Lord, help me to live a life and preach a message that will bring glory back to your name that I have brought a reproach on. God resists the proud. The religiously proud more than any. I said more than any. I said more than any. Because it is a self-righteousness. And you can't blame the world for it. We have to take our own spirit that's got messed up. Lord, strengthen me one more time that I might what? I might what? Avenge my eyes upon the Philistines. His sin got him blinded spiritually before they could touch him physically. He wanted vengeance for his eyes. He didn't want glory for his God. So don't put him in the hall of fame. Are you hearing me? You can't read this Bible and put him there. Did God's Spirit come on him one more time? Yes. Did supernatural power return to him? Yes. Did the supporting pillars break and the roof fall in and did all of those Philistine worshipers of false gods were they all killed? Yes. But there was another victim under the rubble. There's another victim under the rubble. Samson didn't walk out of there with new eyes and fresh anointing. He died with every one of those Philistines. He was crushed beneath the marble and the stone. And if you think sin isn't crushing anointed men and women today, and I know way more than you do, and I'm not going to tell you about it because you're going to hear about enough of it without me telling it in Gath or publishing it in Ashkelon. How art the mighty fallen? I think Samson's a prime example of just how the mighty can fall. So never present to me your spiritual credentials by telling me about your gifts and anointings. Talk to me about following Jesus and you got my ear. Can you talk to me about how you love, how kind you are, whether you're a peacemaker or whether you're a troublemaker? Can you say amen? Can you say man? Can you say man? Talk to me about Jesus and following Him. Glory to God. I don't want to see anymore. I've seen enough to last me for a lifetime. I've seen enough headstrong, pride-filled Christians that will not repent, will not submit, will not surrender to the Lordship of Jesus because they talk in tongues and they have visitations. Amen. To last me a lifetime. I don't want to hear about it. I want to see some fruit. Can you say man? I said I want to see some fruit. And if I don't see fruit, my Bible says none of the rest of it means anything. So we're here to get our character shaped. We're not here just to talk in tongues and tell everybody what God showed us because until God can show you you. What did it say? Don't try to mess with your brother. Don't go messing with somebody else. Don't go try to get the moat. Everybody say the speck of dust. Oh, 
Ruth, you've got a speck of dust in your eye. Here, let me get that for you. The problem is, I've got a beam. I've got a two by six in my eye. And you've got a speck of dust in yours. But guess what? When you get that old spiritual pride, you with the beam in your eye is trying to mess with somebody's speck of dust. There, I think I got it. No, you just poked her in the eye. And you can't see yourself. And at some point in this service, God the Holy Spirit is not going to show you what this one needs and that one needs and what I need. It's going to show you what you need. And you're going to have to decide if you're too big for your britches to admit you have a need. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of Christians way too big for their britches. Because I preach to others. I get revelations to give others. I get a word for somebody else. Well, honey, you're not qualified to give nobody nothing until you take the word into your own life. And the word said there's none righteous without him. <laughs> no, not. No, no. It's reiterated. No, not one. Oh, but you didn't know my grandmama. It doesn't matter. No, not without Jesus. You didn't know my grandpa then. If anybody's in heaven, he is. He's not there without Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now. And that's why we're having Holy Communion this morning. This has been a tough service, but these are tough times. And I'm going to tell you what the Lord has told me. And this is me. This is subjective. You're going to see a lot more Christian leaders falling this year. And a lot more Christian artists are going to come out as sinners and want acceptance for their sin we've seen the beginning but there's a flood about to come a flood tide is about to be released god the holy spirit is not going to let it stay covered it's going to come out don't be discouraged disgusted yes but not discouraged it disgusts me to see holy people defeated and telling others it's okay but i'm not discouraged because i know these are the times that jesus said would be here just before his coming can you say man and i don't care listen listen because thou hast made the lord thy god thy habitation and under his wings thou art come to trust a thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. And it's time that you and I decided what we're going to do with truth in our own life and to what degree we're going to let it revive us and restore us and use us as an example. We all got friends that are flaked out spiritually. They're not in church. They're not following Jesus. And when a crisis comes, they want somebody to pray. Because they know they need God when the trouble comes. But as soon as the trouble passes, they're back into their old patterns. Can you say, man, right back in that old sin pattern. It's got to stop. And there's pastors all over this city won't keep you this long and tell you this truth. But you're not in that church this morning. You're in a different place with a different pastor. Hallelujah. And I'm not apologizing for the time that we've invested here today. Because somebody in this room... Maybe more than one. Somebody's in danger in this room. How do you know? Because this is not my prepared message. This is my message. Can, you got your glasses on? Can you read my message up at the top? I got it outlined. It's a good one. 
Wouldn't that have been a wonderful message for communion? I can't wait to some communion when I can preach it. It's going to be so good. But when somebody's on a precipice and when somebody's about to get in spiritual trouble and when somebody's got their spiritual value system all messed up, that is not the message for this morning. I've delivered to you what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. And it's crucial that we get it. It's critical that we get it. That we get back our humility. Get back our dedication. Get back our devotion. So we don't grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Never take for granted the power of God that rests upon you and me. Would you serve us Holy Communion as we yield to the Lord? Somebody's in trouble you got a chance to get out of it today. If there's repentance in this communion service. Because a Redeemer is reaching out to you. He's paid the ransom.